Hello again. This is Nell, co-founder of Femex Columbia and the host of Venturing Voices. This season's podcast features another badass woman located here in South Carolina, Shannon Clark. Shannon is a trailblazing advocate for increasing education and accessibility for women around the state, especially in minority communities. She was born in South Carolina, but moved to Miami, Florida at an early age. There, she received an extremely diverse education, but was reintroduced to Southern culture when she went to college. Recording from the Femex co-work space in Columbia, South Carolina, this is Venturing Voices. I was actually just trying to call my parents to figure out what school I went to because I don't remember. (laughs) I moved away when I was seven Mm -hmm. um, and we moved to Miami, Florida, which really does, I appreciate the question, it really does have an impact on on where I am now. Miami is very different than Columbia, if you can imagine that. Yes. And I just had um, such an experience and opportunity to meet people from all over the world. Had friends from all over the Caribbean, all over South America. I went to a school where our primary learning language was Spanish, which just really broadened my mind to other people and also myself. Um, Because what ended up happening, you know, my parents felt like I, I was having this experience and really um, learning from other people from other countries. But in some ways, I kind of lost the Southern thing. Okay. Um, And it was one of their goals to have me come back. And we did that through college. I went to Spelman College, Mm -hmm. and that was transformational for me. Um, It's, you know, they charge you with being the change you want to see in the world. Wow. And I really feel like that stuck with me, and it's my own personal charge to myself, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing. After being inspired at a young age, Shannon had dreams of being a professional dancer. Unfortunately, her promising career was cut short by an injury. As much as she didn't want to do Plan B, she felt like she needed to have a backup option. She went back to school and studied international affairs, something that her past experiences set her up well for. Pivoting maybe is like a theme. (laughs) I had been dancing since the age of three and danced um, in church and had the opportunity through dancing in church to work with Debbie Allen. Um, She had something called the Chocolate Nutcracker, and um, our troupe from church were the angels in that production. Wow. And having the opportunity to um, see such a major production and be so close to someone so famous really uh, made an impact on me. And so I decided to continue in that way and um, went to a magnet school for dance and then both in middle school and high school, which led me to pursue it in college. I I ended up actually leaving college after my first year because Mm -hmm. I'd gotten into the Ailey School in New York on a fellowship. So I did that. And that, I mean, all day, like dancing all day with these masters, I mean, people who had danced with Ailey himself, um, learning about the history of black dance and modern dance, it just... It was incredible, and I still have relationships with those teachers as well as um, my my classmates to this day, and some of mm-hmm. them are quite famous now. Um, <laughs> but I think dancing really, it, it was my life. I always say it was my in my past life I danced. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's something that I pursued for, for a time. What really changed it was I got injured. So okay. um, it was... The night of production, the the director wanted to do a run-through in costume. I had gotten there late trying to chase my cat around. The, it was a long story. <laughs> Anyways, um, in the middle of that rehearsal, I, I tore my meniscus. Oh, my and, gosh. 
Um, and from there, actually, I didn't have health insurance, mm-hmm. and I had to figure out a way to get myself healed. And it took about two months of wow. that, which led to further injury, of course. Right. And that moment um, or, or that experience kind of led me to feel like I needed something else. Right. As much as I didn't want to do the plan B thing, Right. I needed to at that point. I just felt like this thing that I'd been pursuing um, for such a long time could be taken away from me in a second. I mean, it, it was, even right. though I danced after that, but um, it wasn't the same. Right. And so I, I pivoted mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went to grad school and again, just got exposed to so much more um, new experiences. I studied international affairs. Okay. That got me into international development. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent some time in Guatemala, which again, sort of, you look back on your life and you see how things stack onto one another. Yeah. So my Spanish, upbring- you know, bringing, being brought up, learning Spanish um, really helped me do that and studying there and, and learning about how um, really there's, there's a lot of um, issues that impact people wherever they live, which caused me to, to look inward, you know, in the United States, which right. again, led, leads me, I think, ultimately to my business with Queen and Baby now supporting black moms and breastfeeding. That leads us to the discussion of her current business venture, Queen and Baby, where she seeks to provide more access to maternal care knowledge for people in minority communities. While going through her own pregnancy, she felt like she needed to do something to advocate for mothers who breastfeed their kids to have better and safer accommodations. With Queen and Baby, we're bringing diversity to lactation care. My experience with Queen and Baby, or the reason why I started it, really came from um, when I gave birth to my daughter in 2017. Mm -hmm. And I was living in Massachusetts at the time, and um, I knew I wanted to breastfeed just from, I'm a, I'm a person that's an investigator. And so I'd researched everything about the benefits of breastfeeding. So I knew it was something I wanted to commit to. Um, but then I had the experience of going to um, breastfeeding classes while I was pregnant mm-hmm. and then going to the mommy and me classes um, after, or those times where you get to get together with other women who, who are breastfeeding or um, just those times after postpartum. Right. And they were all white women. Yeah. I was the only black woman in in the room. And um, all of the examples of breastfeeding and motherhood centered white women. And it didn't didn't click for me at that point, Mm -hmm. but that's what was happening. And it was kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. You know, I don't see myself here, still committed to it. Um, And then... Going back to work, this was uh, before the the federal law took place, right? Where there's now the 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 break time, right? Um, that everyone, or it's actually not everyone, <laughs> but that the majority of people should have some break time available right. to them to pump or to nurse, right? And not in a bathroom stall, and not in a bathroom mm-hmm. stall, <laughs> someplace that locks right. that other people can't barge into. Literally written in. Thank God for whoever helped to write that because it's all necessary. Um, but that wasn't that wasn't the law yet. Right. And I had to fight for a place for me to pump because when I went back, I actually did pump in a bathroom. And then it was a dressing room. Right. And then because of my advocacy, it was a half um half changed uh um wine closet. <laughs> so, I mean, talk about breastfeeding, <laughs> drinking, I'm like being tempted by all the wine across the room, but also it was just cold and sad, you know, I'm alone. And right. that was really the first um, moment where I was like, hmm, 
there's something here. I know I can't be the only person who has had to fight for space, for time, for understanding. Right. Um, but in this moment, I feel very much alone. At the time, I was the only person in my office who was breastfeeding. And even, you know, the other women who had breastfed or who were parents, um, one, they cheered me on because they hadn't right. asked for accommodations, but um, they also couldn't relate because I was I was doing it real time right. alone. And so um, my first business was, or the first iteration of Queen and Baby mm -hmm. was a subscription box for busy breastfeeding moms. You could not find breastfeeding uh, products really easily. Right. You couldn't go to CVS at the time and get anything. Um, and I was actually in a spot that was developing. So there were not a lot of places available. And there had been too many times where I had scares. I'd run out of a milk storage bag or right. I had to run back um, to daycare, you know, to, to provide more milk. And right. so, like, trying to balance working and all of that was really, really tough. Then I learned that there's a lot of women who end up um, leaving their careers after they have a baby. And I ended up doing that. I actually ended up following um, in, in their footsteps, but but really to pursue this and say, okay, there's something here that I can solve for other women. Right. And I started with my box, which was really successful. Yeah. Um, but also not fully aligned with my core values. Mm -hmm. And this also came um, around my second pregnancy. Okay. And 2020. Um, my son was born March 4th, 2020, and this is around the time that we all started paying attention to racial justice right? and learning more and more about black maternal health. Right. And the stats around black maternal health are astonishing. Yes. And uh, within those stats, I also learned that black women do not breastfeed for as long as they should and um, not as often when compared to other American women. And so I felt like this definitely overlaps with my passion and my interest here, and there's something else that I can do. An interesting question that all business owners should think about. How do you identify what your core values are, and how do you build a business around that? She knew at first she wanted to do a Discover Box type of subscription, but realized there were not enough quality products at good prices in order to fit that need. She also had to look at the socioeconomic factors around the group that she was wanting to serve, which was black women. They were going back to jobs that didn't support breastfeeding. They don't have the time. They don't have the resources. They don't have the knowledge. The conversation about breastfeeding brings up so many examples of privilege and systemic racism. Really looking at the business side of the business of the subscription box, um, really pulling apart my my pricing strategy, mm -hmm. um, how much I wanted to make, and how um, sort of unit unit economics, right? Getting very clear about that. Um, at the time with subscription boxes, what the customer wanted was mm -hmm. something that was low cost, um, that was a discovery box, so something they're getting something new and different every month mm -hmm. or however, how often the subscription box would come to them. Um, and unfortunately, there still are not enough um, quality products for right. moms on the market to really fit that. And the quality products are way out of price range. Right. So in order to meet the demand of what a subscription box is for mm -hmm. people who buy them, but also stick to my values where, you know, the companies are aligning with the World Health Organization uh, statutes around not um, promoting uh, formula feeding, 
you couldn't, you couldn't find it. There's so many large brands Mm -hmm. that just don't follow those rules. Um, and so I was just priced out basically. Yeah. Um, and, and then I wasn't necessarily serving the community that I wanted to. Right. Um, because I also learned that there's just so many different, um, socioeconomic factors for, for black families and the kinds of work that they're doing. Um, a lot of times they're the reason why they're not breastfeeding is because they're having to go back to jobs that just don't support it. Right. They right. just can't. They don't. They literally don't have the time. Right. They're asked. They're being asked to clock out mm-hmm. um, in order to take breaks. Which then you just if if it's going to mess with your money, then right. you end up not doing it. Right. The breastfeeding conversation so often leaves out privilege and um, systemic racism and in in workplaces and opportunity. And you know, it's not as simple as we just need to promote more breastfeeding. Right. You know, we just need to say it's better and provide support in the hospital. It goes so far beyond that. And to your point, when all of the breastfeeding material and classes are all centered on white women, um, it, I don't know, it's, a, it seems like such a, an uphill battle. And, um, I mean, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and you also caught me on a day where we just learned that paid leave is not a thing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you think about someone who has just had a baby, who wants to breastfeed, but who does not have paid leave, does not have that time to really form that relationship, mm-hmm. um, you know, it could take two weeks for your milk supply to even to balance out. Right. If you don't have that time, and then you go back to a place that doesn't support breastfeeding because they don't have a place for you to pump, you have right. to clock out, whatever the situation is. You're going to choose differently. And we all know, especially now with COVID, that breast milk is the first vaccine for babies. It is so important nutritionally for however long you can, but it's important to do. Um, And it's just sad that, you know, there's just, there's an interconnected kind of web of um, inequities that end up really impacting families at its core. We still have more to hear from Shannon's story. We'll return after a short break. Shannon Clark is right in the thick of starting her business journey, and as she presses forward into a new year, she discussed her plans to move queen and baby forward. To make her services more accessible and convenient, she plans to develop an online platform that could connect people to others who have similar experiences or knowledge about their situation. She got this idea from all the support that she felt she received from her community. So the new the new pathway, I guess, forward that I'm thinking about Queen and Baby mm-hmm. is really providing access by making it all online. Mm-hmm. And we know that um, having skills related to breastfeeding is very important. Seeking community of other people who've done it before who are at the same stage as you is also right. really important, encouraging, inspiring. Um, but then also having access to professionals um, who look like you, right. who can mirror back your culture, right. um, your language. All of that is very important. Right. And so that's what we're building now. I'm, par- I'm a fellow of something called Visible Hands. It's a, um, it's a capital fund. of uh, There's about 51 other um, entrepreneurs who are part of this fellowship mm-hmm. from all different 
um, industries who have, you know, some, some of them are first time founders, some are at the idea stage, other people are, this is their third or fourth venture. And so they have a lot of um, information to share. And Mm -hmm. so that has been really helpful. I just had a call today actually with one of my cohort members um, because he's building something really similar and helping me understand that. I think um, what I've learned to do first is really thinking it's so important as a CEO, a founder to have that big vision. So I just described like what I wanted to be, right? but then uh, to really get it started, it's to think of the, the most low tech version so you can gain traction so that you can test out your, your idea. And so I'm working on different ways that that looks, um, and, you know, right now I'm, I have a wait list of people sort of selling the idea, right? Yeah. Does the idea connect with people? Am I saying it the right way? Right. Um, so first it's really understanding the user. So I've been doing some customer interviews mm-hmm. and really pulling out those pain points. Right. Um, which I've learned is reassurance. Parents just want to know that they're doing the right thing. Right. Right. right? That they're like, they're not harming their child or right. that what, what they're experiencing is normal. And so to have something that can reassure you, something, someone, some community that can do that, mm-hmm. that's the pathway forward. So kind yeah. of identifying that was step one yeah. and then sort of um, following that, following the lead of, of my potential customers and right. finding where they are and what they need. That's step one. Seeking funding can be an overwhelming journey for a business owner, but it's important to take the time to find what sets you apart. So outside of understanding how to build a business, how to build a team, how to operate a business, then then you have your idea, how do you build the thing? Mm-hmm. Then you have to figure out fundraising. Right. And there's all this lingo. There's a whole world. P.S. All the VCs are on Twitter, apparently. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> I just um, learned I need to be on Twitter again, and you, it stresses me out. Yeah, you got to be on Twitter. <laughs> um, so I think... In some ways, that's discouraging because it's just like, oh, wow, that's a whole other thing right. that I'm, I have to put time into to, to learn. Right. Um, but, it, you know, it's like, okay, this is the, the bumpy road to, to starting, right? Which right. is, okay, there's just something else I need to learn. Right. So after you get over that hump, you know, um, that's where you are. I, I would say what's really encouraging um, in general, is that there's so many people with such great ideas who really want to make a difference, yeah. um, who are actively working on those things. Right. That's really, really cool. Um, in my specific industry, it is getting crowded, which is also puts like a little fire under my feet, but it yeah. also means that people are starting to pay attention to um, maternal care. So there's tons of businesses coming up. There's a lot of uh, femtech now is a a new word, I guess, new industry word, and there's a lot yeah. of money being thrown in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, part of my process now is sort of like figuring out how I can maneuver and position so that I can catch some of that that money too. How do you see Queen and Baby standing apart from what's currently out there in the landscape? So I mentioned that we're bringing diversity to lactation. Right. And that's, that's it. Right now, they're most, most... If not all, I can't say all, right? But I think most of the companies that are out there that are promoting lactation care, and particularly um, this telehealth bent, right. are founded by white women, right. and um, many of their providers are white women. Right. And I think 
well, I know that there, there's uh, a group of people, <laughs> people <laughs> out there that, yeah. you know, go beyond that. Right. Right. Um, so really leaning into inclusive care, which right. I think can expand past BIPOC to LGBTQIA right. plus, right? Um, so that'll, that, that's a place that I'm hoping to grow as well. Um, but really starting where I know, and um, that's with Black women. And yeah. there, I mean, there is not. I'm, I'm, convi- yeah. I'm here to say, yeah. feet down, planted in the ground, I'm convicted in saying there is not anything like that on the market right now that centers black women's experience, our stories, our history even. Um, And so that's the differentiating factor. Shannon has made the important distinction that she is building a business rather than a nonprofit. Some aspects of growing a nonprofit can sometimes feel stigmatizing and limit potential growth. Her path encourages wealth creation, which could lead to more opportunities in her field. She wants to connect other black women businesses to her service and bring them with her. She began pursuing her lactation consultant certification while living in Boston. It was in Boston that she learned about baby cafes through a program called Vital Village. They offer breastfeeding advice at different locations and in different languages. Moms can connect with other moms who are breastfeeding and they can receive advice in a welcoming environment. Really, my goal, the sort of go-to-market strategy mm-hmm. for us, mm-hmm. is really through collaboration and community, right? Yeah. Uh, so I know that there's all of those uh, social social or nonprofit organizations that are um, tailored to lactation, and particularly right. for black women. Right. I want to bring them with me, right. right? I think that those are great places to pilot this service, to right. bring their services that they're already providing online so that people in their community who maybe can't make it to the community center or wherever they're able, you know, wherever they're um, um, facilitating their services can access them. There's an example. So I, I moved from, I kind of skipped over this, but I lived in Massachusetts and I, I moved from, um, from Boston and, mm-hmm. um, I'm actually pursuing my, my CLC, which is the certified lactation consultant, uh, right now through something called vital village, which is okay. out of the Boston medical center. And they have something that they call baby cafes. Okay. And they've been in person all over the city. Um, held in different languages at different times mm-hmm. for moms and babies to come and breastfeed in person and get wow. in-person help if they are having a problem. But because of COVID-19, those things couldn't happen anymore. So now they're hosting them online um, on Zooms. They have uh, people who are volunteering, peer counselors, other CLCs or IBCLCs come on and answer questions. And it's still pretty um, low tech, right? Yeah. They're using which... We all had to do. They're using technology that it's sort of out there and it's not necessarily their own. Right. But I feel like this is where Queen and Baby can really connect in with organizations like Vital Village and others around the country right. um, to bring their services online to um, to also let other women know that these services are available, right? right. That there, there's this entire network of organizations in your community that can help you. Um and at the same time, if you need to be at home and you have just, you know, have a question that you want to easily access the answer to and you can trust it, you can use our platform too. I breastfed for a year. Um, well, not quite a year because my child was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And I was like devastated. <laughs> um, but I remember, um, you know, just trying to find something to do or somewhere to connect because to your point, like, you know, at first, yeah, you're like, oh, I'm alone with my baby and this is great and we're bonding. But, you know, when you're going to breastfeed for two years, 
like at some point you're like, I want to connect with somebody and see if this is okay and if it's working. And yeah. so I love the idea of the digital platform because everyone has their cell phone in their hand playing Candy Crush or scrolling Instagram while they're while they're nursing. That's right. And instead they could be connecting to a community that supports them. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's what I see. It's funny, I was just talking to one of my potential customers and she's like, my baby keeps hitting my phone out of my hand because they want attention. But I do, yes, that is a use case, definitely. Um, and and what was interesting about about her too is um, she's in month four. Okay. And so my questions are, you know, outside of the this sort of um, first quarter of breastfeeding where right. you probably had a lot of questions, you're feeling more confident. What else do you need? And she's like, well, I'm about to go back to work. So there's just a whole nother world around pumping and understanding right. how to balance my schedule, which is great information for me. I know that. I lived that. Yes. And so I know that there's a need, especially, you know, ultimately at the at the the bare of it all, the bottom, my ultimate goal is to address low breastfeeding rates, okay. right? And so if, if there's something that can really follow um, a family right. from day one through to their goal, whatever that might be, if they even move it out further because now they feel supported, that's what I'm trying to do. So right. now that she feels confident and, you know, but she's about to hit another milestone, another point of where she has questions, our platform would be there to help her. Along the way, we all experience naysayers and Shannon has faced her fair share. She says convincing investors that this is an important issue has been tough so far but she's willing to take the time to make sure she finds someone who is open to collaborating with her ideas fully. Making people believe that this is a big issue, that it's important. I know that I'm also about to journey into fundraising and we know that a lot of men hold the money. Yes. And so I've already had someone tell me, like, I just, this is making me uncomfortable. You really need to have some more data statistics because, you know, this is a little bit too much. So it had, you know, beyond that that conversation, it hasn't happened yet. I'm not hope, you know, I hope it doesn't, but I but I can see that it it, it probably will. Right. Right. So I think um, up until this point, it has been um, hard to make people understand that breastfeeding is important. Right. Um, there's also right now still out there, um, quote unquote, mommy wars. You know, formula versus breastfeeding, which is right. not really the point. That's not what we're talking about. Right. So that's another hurdle. Um, and then the future, you know, dealing with men and trying <laughs> to convince them that this is a viable right. product. Right. Right. Because they don't have to breastfeed. That's right. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I'm I'm constantly excited and invigorated when I see companies like yours growing and then also seed funds and investment funds um, popping up everywhere that are run by women and geared towards women and underserved um, communities that are starting up businesses. So I think that it's happening and I'm hoping that, you know, you can get in front of, of some really great firms that aren't going to like suck all your ownership away <laughs> and still support what oh, you're yes. doing. And yeah. Yeah. That's that's the other thing I guess that would counter that. I had some really great feedback from someone I told this story to. Mm -hmm. And she said, "Well, they're not the investor for you." Uh, right? You right. you're going to want to be able to talk or to collaborate with people, right? Um be supported by funds who get it, who are excited about it, and who are going to be willing to talk to other people about it. 
Right. And comfortable with that. Right. Um, and that really helped switch that in my mind. Yeah. Right. Instead of thinking about, um, although I just presented it, presented it that way, you know, as a hurdle, but sort of like, okay, that'll be information. Then this is not, this is not the firm I need to work with. Shannon has done a lot of thinking and planning, and now she has the joy of bringing her product to life. She receives inspiration from the environment she seeks out of herself. It's kind of like what's out there, but with the sauce. That's how I've been describing it. Yeah. So really, kind of like femme, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's these sterile examples of what co-working spaces could be. Right. But you've really um, dug into what women want or mm -hmm. femmes want, right? Um, and it's a very inviting, comfortable um, representation of the mm -hmm. kind of woman who comes to them. And so that's what I'm hoping to build. So yeah. it's really getting at um, the user journey, right. how they'll interact, but then also building a space where they feel comfortable, inspired, encouraged, right. and they see themselves. So right. really bringing the vision down from my mind onto paper and um, working with a designer and a developer. So that'll be next. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Venturing Voices and hearing Shannon's story. Remember that you, too, are a badass and capable of getting shit done in your community. If you are interested in learning more about our community, Femex Columbia, you can check out our website or follow us on social media. Thank you to our sponsors for helping make this podcast possible. And make sure to subscribe and tune into future episodes with more badass women from South Carolina. Once again, I'm Nell, and thank you for listening to Venturing Voices.